just wanted to put out a quick disclaimer before this episode. The conversation we're having uh, is with a good friend of ours who is doing work in some sensitive countries. So as a result of that, we were unable to use this person's full name. Um, but we want to encourage you to continue to pray for this topic. The topic is sensitive in nature in regards to sexual exploitation and trafficking. And so uh, if this is something that might uh, disturb you, I just want to give you a heads up, even though we feel that this is something that we should all be aware of because it's something that's on God's heart, and so it's on our heart. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Compass Thoughts, the official podcast of Belmont Assembly of God. My name is Pastor Joey Silva, and I am welcomed here with the guest that we shall affectionately refer to as Ma. Uh, Ma, you have been uh, a part of this church, or at least have some origins in this church for how long now? Um, it's been, has it been 12 years? Wow. No, it's more than that, I think. More than, well, no, it's been exactly 12 years. Maybe 13. Wow. Maybe 13. Yeah, that's wild. So are we at almost half of your life at this point already? <laughs> Basically half of my life. Wow. I love <laughs> to it. Think about I love it. it that and way. you, you came here at what age? At 16. And, yep. and you came through the youth group? Yep. Came through the youth, the youth group. I'm a product of Excel. Praise Ooh, God. Come on now. Yep. <laughs> remember, remember the hairstyle you were rocking back oh, then? Oh, we don't need to talk about the bangs. Listen, Gen Z doesn't like the bangs. Who was the inspiration behind that hair? Who was the inspiration? I mean, you had a little, oh, oops, I make... did it again, Britney Spears kind of thing No, happening. no, no. This is going to make me sound so holy, but it's 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 because of Amy Winehouse. Wow. <laughs> I can see it now. That was a whole Amy Winehouse you vibe know, you had. The first... One of the first Belmont or just like activities or, you know, like link events that you guys did. Yeah. Um, it was like a Halloween dress up. I dressed up <laughs> with an Amy Winehouse hair, hairstyle. It was pretty wild. A little, but little we proud don't, of that, were we? we? Don't, yeah, but we can change the subject now, P. Joey. I mean, <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> well, so needless to say, we've known you for a long time. Yeah. We've got a great relationship with Praise you. God. And so uh, part of why I really wanted you to come was because... Uh, the topic that we want to cover today has to do with something that's very close to your heart and yeah. something that you feel God has purposed and planned for you yeah. to engage in. Mm -hmm. And that is the topic of trafficking, specifically yeah. human trafficking, sex trafficking. Yeah. And so you mentioned that, you know, you were here at Excel uh, and I know the story, but for the sake of our listeners, can mm -hmm. you give us a heads up on how God birthed that in your heart as a teenager and, and what the genesis of all this was like yeah. for you. Yeah. So, um, I was, I, I mean, it might be a little too far stretched to say that I grew up unchurched, but I didn't, I didn't know what a youth group was. The first time I came to Excel, I was terrified seeing people like raising their hands and, um, you know, jumping in worship and crying. Like I'd never seen that before in my life, but I got saved when I was 16 and I came to Excel. Um, and then, you know, when I got saved, everyone kept asking me like, cool. Are you saved? Great. Okay. Awesome. Now what's your calling? And I was like, Hey, what's a calling? <laughs> I didn't know what that was. Like all the church lingo was new to me. And, um, but, but like, I learned like to get in my prayer closet and like to explore what, what that looked like, what that calling would look like um, and what the Lord would have for me to do the rest of my life. And so I remember just like spending so much time with the Lord from 16 to 18 and literally being like, okay, Lord, I'm a junior in high school. Like I still got some time to figure it out. What's my calling? 
And I felt like I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like I got nothing, but I was just like diligent because I was like, okay, Lord, like I know how this works. Like it's not in my timing, right? It's in yours. So, um, so around the time that I was 18, I remember um, visiting a Bible college. And when I visited Bible college, this Bible college up in Minneapolis, um, I met this man that spoke about sex trafficking and he was rescuing uh, women and children and young boys overseas. And I had heard that that's, that was the first time I had ever heard the term. The first time I have ever heard about like unreached people um, and, and just all of these, all of everything, you know, all that goes into uh, sex trafficking. And so once I heard about that, like women and young children and young boys being exploited, um, exploited and, and, and just voiceless and, and, you know, um, uh, I knew I had to do something about it. And he would talk about like going to these brothels and these place, crazy places overseas and all, and, and how nobody, like they need more workers. Like who wants to go? No one wants to go. And I was like, well, if it's such a big need, like maybe then I have to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so nonchalant about it. Yeah, so nonchalant. But I remember specifically too, when I, after visiting that Bible college, I had just recently gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, um, I remember my, so wild, Uh, I'll keep it short, but my mom actually had a dream that I was trafficked a couple months after visiting that Bible college. And praise God, I I knew what trafficked even meant, you know, because my mom had this dream. She's like, you know, crying hysterically in the middle of the night. And um, she said that I, um, basically I was was kidnapped in the dream and that I was about to be sold overseas. And so um, she's just gripping me, crying and praying for women that are trafficked. And so um, I remember that night, uh, I tried to go back to sleep after she prayed for me. And the Lord was like, no, Melissa, you need to go pray right now. Mm. And so I I did that. And I was like, hmm, I should use that gift of the Holy Spirit that you know, I have. You know, I should, I should pray in tongues. So um, that night though, the Lord really spoke so clearly to me and he spoke Isaiah 61 over me and the Lord confirmed like, hey, I'm sending you to the darkest places to to shine the brightest and I'm gonna send you um, to places where it might be scary. Your might, literally life might be on the line, but um, I want you to rescue women and children that are in slavery. And so um, that's kind of the genesis of how everything evolved. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'll do it. Like, why not? I love that. I love how nonchalant that was. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned it, and we've, we've said it a couple of times, but for the sake of our audience and maybe someone who, like you at that time, has yeah. never heard of sex trafficking, can you define sex trafficking, human trafficking? What does that literally mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so sex trafficking, it's a little different than human trafficking. Um, sex trafficking. So wait, real quick, human sex trafficking can be a part of human trafficking. It can be a part of human, human trafficking. trafficking. Is a more overall term. Yeah. It's sex like an overall. Mm-hmm, yeah. Got so it. it's more of like an overall term. So people can be human trafficked for, um, labor. Yeah. For labor, they could be trafficked for, um, I mean, there's there's so many different things. My main, my mind is going wild right now. But um, sex trafficking to define that like that is um, like a person being held against their will and exploited for sex. And so, um, and that can be uh, prostitution. Yep. That can be uh, uh, pornographic videos. Yeah. That can yeah. be pictures. Yeah. Or you know, just a mm-hmm. number of different ways. But it's sexual yeah. exploitation. Yes. Yeah. Of a person who yeah. is against their will. Yeah. Does that happen? 
Uh, is it always, because again, I think in my mind, mm-hmm. a lot of people, when they think about sex trafficking, immediately they picture taken, right? Like yeah. somebody's on a vacation in Europe and they get knocked mm-hmm. over the head and put in a trunk. Um, how does a person end up being sex trafficked? I know there's a million different ways, but yeah. what are some of those ways that maybe we don't always uh, picture in our mind? Yeah. Well, I guess to go the taken route. <laughs> yeah. Which happens. You could actually be taken. You could yeah. be kidnapped. Um and exploited against your will. You could also, you mentioned prostitution. Um, I've, I've met so many women that, um, it's almost like, like they know they're trafficked, they're exploited for money. Right. But they, they choose the lifestyle because of the money. Um, so I've met women that they choose the lifestyle because they have no other way to pay through college. And that, that, that's in Chicago, the instance that I'm thinking of. Um, there's, there's also like, they are trafficked against their will. And so they like, whether they're kidnapped or if they like wrongfully got through, uh, got into like a, a traffic ring, um, they could be in that because of maybe like someone exploiting them that was their boyfriend or um, through a relationship or it could be like a female relationship. Like, oh, hi, come meet my friends. And then bam, like they're essentially like taken in yeah. that sense. But um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways that uh, there's uh, and I'm sure we'll touch on this in a little bit, but yeah. um, some of the other ways I was thinking were uh, the grooming. Yeah. Right? You mentioned the boyfriends, yeah. um, families selling yeah. Um, children. Yeah. Family, family selling members. or willingly giving their children. Why would, why would somebody give them? Is there reasons? Is it economical, sociological? Yeah. Is it we just don't like this kid? Yeah, it, it's heartbreaking. Um, I know there's been places that I've been overseas where they willingly give away their young girls because women are just not, um, they're not treasured as, you know, um, you have to reproduce a male. And if, you, if there's too many ma- uh, females, um, people willingly will give their, their female children um, up for money or I, uh, there's also things like, um, besides giving them up for money, um, they, I've heard of women also giving their children or giving their young, uh, male or female children away because they don't want them to live the life, but they just, they, they're not they able up. to actually give them away. And so they end up being caught in the life because it's just a generational thing and wow. they're just trapped in it. Um, I've heard of children even being, you know, just like sucked into it because of their mothers and they're just like, you know, they're they're under the bed hiding while their mothers are working. And so um, there's just so, so many different things. Like it's such a broad topic and we're just like really touching the surface of it. But yeah. yeah. Well, kind of going along those lines, because it's so broad, I think people have yeah. a lot of misconceptions. Yeah. Uh, either it's just stuff that they've seen in movies or mm-hmm. that they've heard. Uh, and this might take a little bit of thought, but yeah. what would you say are two or three misconceptions that you think people have when they think about sex trafficking? Yeah. Well, definitely the first one that comes to mind immediately when people talk to me about this, they're like, wow, Melissa, like, 
how could you go overseas and do this? Like, this is, this is crazy. Like you, you look like you're 12 (laughs) and yes, that's true. (laughs) But, um, I think the biggest misconception of sex trafficking in America is that you think it's not in your backyard. And, um, I, I've, I've been to massage parlors and strip clubs in our area, all over the city of Chicago, all over the city limits within the city limits. And, um, I can tell you it's hard for me to just like lottie don take a Sunday drive because it's like I'll pass a massage parlor and I'm like oh <laughs> been there been there oh that one looks like there might be trafficking happening in the background you know there's just there's this huge misconception that like you have to go overseas to see it or you have to go to some like shanty town in America to see sure. it like no it's in our backyard um it, it's down this street and, and unless you um you know until I learned to really look for the signs and what could be like a, a potential shady business that has trafficking going mm-hmm. on or um, until I learned about these things and and like how to um, even like find women that could potentially yeah. be trafficked. Um, I, I realized it's literally, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, no, literally. I remember yeah. at one point there was a news report about four women who were mm-hmm. being trafficked in an apartment about a half a mile down from my house. Yeah. And so he had them handcuffed to a radiator during the day. And then he would send them out to do tricks at night. Um, And a lot of it was through drug addiction. So they would come back to the house out of fear of retaliation and to get a fix. Mm -hmm. And then he'd chain them up by the radiator again. Uh, So, yeah, I think that's a huge misconception that people think, again, going back to the movies, like this Mm -hmm. happens in these third world countries and these far off places. Um, you know, in that line, talk to me about uh, the whole aspect when it comes to the Super Bowl, because it seems like uh, there's a lot of talk about trafficking in the Super Bowl. I never understood why the Super Bowl seems to be such an attraction, but is, yeah. give me some details about this since it just recently happened. Yeah, unfortunately, with just the big tourism boom that, you know, if you have like Say it's in Orlando. I don't even know where the last Super Bowl. Well, Tampa. when life was normal. Yeah, it was in Tampa. Though, well, it was in Tampa with COVID. Okay, but regardless, <laughs> regardless, yeah. I'm thinking like normal, normal life. But um, with so many people traveling to this place, like there's just it, it, unfortunately the Super Bowl has turned into like like a, a safe haven for Johns, and so they're just able to pick up women and and people are just um, Johns being Johns. That's being, the term for someone who yes. engages and pays for yeah sexual. A John is someone that pays. Yeah. Yeah. to, yeah, for a sexual encounter with someone that is sexually exploited. And so, um, the soup, like these huge events, like the Super Bowl, they're just, they turned into like sex tourism, mm. uh, hotspots. And so, um, there, I mean, and being in, involved in the church world, I'm sure you've heard so much about like, oh, we're doing a missions trip to go to the Super Bowl and, yeah. um, you know, and to go do this and to go do that. And it's like, it's heartbreaking. Um, and so, yeah, I hope that spoke a little bit more into oh, the Super no, that's, Bowl. That's huge. Yeah. Because uh, the numbers are, are pretty astronomical in that. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned that there's sex trafficking in our backyard. Yeah. And, you know, being that we're from Chicago here at this podcast. Yeah. Would you say that's minimal or the numbers way more than, than we really understand or imagine? Yeah. Yeah, I... I I wish I could give you like a number gauge, but I, I think like from what I've experienced and from the women that I've met and um, I, I think the number is just very overwhelming. Um, and I think that there's no way to actually have an accurate number of like 
the trafficking that trafficking that is actually taking place in Chicago. What, um, what forms does that take? Because you mentioned yeah. massage parlors. Are there other ways that we see trafficking happening yeah. in the city? Uh, you know, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, so I was a part of a ministry here in Chicago that um, would go to massage parlors and primarily massage parlors and strip clubs because this is where that it happens the most. Um, and so in these businesses, they there's women that are trafficked and they're undercover um, and they, you know, pose as just nice massage parlors with like nice spas and um, but actually in the back in in the back rooms. Um, there's illegal activity going on. Mm -hmm. And so for the massage parlors, that's what that looks like for strip clubs. Um, it's, it's a little bit more obvious what's going on there. Um, and so just the women that you meet, um, once you get to know them, you can really get a feel for if they were trafficked or if they, you know, are willingly, or if they willingly choose to be there. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, being, being, at massage parlors and strip clubs, it's just really wild to see um, just the need that's in our backyard in Chicago. Well, this might seem like an obvious question, and I'm not sure if you have an answer to this, but yeah. if you and that ministry knew where to go, don't the authorities know that that's going on? And why isn't it just being shut down? Why don't they just stop it? Yeah, that is that is the heartbreaking thing that just kills me. It still kills me. I, I don't go um, to these places uh, anymore with the transitions that I've had, but um, it, it, there, there's actual sex directories online. Right. Um, and so that's how we found out about the majority of these places. Um, but, um, you know, there are other ways that we found or that, that we... Um, that we learned to try to find a place or a massage parlor or a strip club that looked like there might be um, some activity going on like that. And so um, there's there's just wild things. Like if you see a massage parlor and like all of the front windows are covered and you can't really see what's going on inside of the business, that's a clear indicator. Mm. <laughs> clear indicator. Um, if there's a doorbell on the front, um, oftentimes it's because there might have been someone violent. And so they yeah. had to put a doorbell and always have the door locked. And so there's, there's, there's all these different things, all these different factors that go into, um, you know, the, having these businesses with illegal activity going on. Is, is there a reason, though, why that activity isn't stopped by law enforcement? You know, I can't speak for <laughs> Chicago mm -hmm. Authority, and I don't want to say too much, but um, I... For us to be entirely aware of what's going on, I know that uh, there's just a lot more to these things that we don't realize. And sure. so we don't know like who's in on what. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to say that there might be, you know, authorities in on it, but. But it would be naive to assume it would, that all over the world. There's no way. Yeah. yeah like, people in and authority I, are paid off or. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a billion with a B, right? It's yeah. a billion uh -huh, dollar billion. industry. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. would not to exist. To purchase bodies. Yeah. Yeah, to purchase bodies yeah. and exploit men and women and children. Yeah. I, I can't speak for Chicago, but I do know I've been places overseas where authorities are in on it. But it's because then you bring in like the infrastructure of whatever country you're in, you know? And Yeah, sometimes um, that's what the GDP is made up exactly, of. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. you mentioned masseuse um, parlors, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up, but you and I were, were both... Pretty big fans of, of Ravi Zacharias. I knew and this was coming. Yeah. I knew his, it. <laughs> uh, well, just based on our conversation, you actually met him. You and my wife went yeah. to, to meet him. And uh, reports just came out mm -hmm. that, uh, well, 
that had come out a while ago, but they have been substantiated. Yeah. That he engaged on multiple occasions frequently in sexual exploitation mm-hmm. in massage parlors, both in Atlanta <sighs> and overseas. Uh, I think for me, yeah. that speaks to the volume that the John isn't this creepy you know, guy in a corner with a trench coat and a, and a pencil mm-hmm. mustache mm-hmm. who's, you know, mm-hmm. the John can be one of the greatest apologetics that we've seen in our day. Yeah. yeah. Um, speak to me a little bit about uh, perceptions that we have of both Johns and, you know, even this idea that, uh, oh, well, that process, she's asking for that. She's not sexually exploited. Like, that's what she wants to do. Yeah. I, it's so... Oh. Man, this is like a whole other conversation. I'm like so fired up about this because like we could talk about being privately healthy as ministers, right? And like how honestly, like yes, that was heartbreaking to hear about Ravi, but like there's other big name like like celebrity Christians that that have had recent moral failures, you know? And it's like, it's to the point where it's like, man, like it's, like, yes, it is heartbreaking, but it's not surprising. Like, um, and, and just speaking into Ravi, like, man, Jackie Hill said some things last week that were really, um, helpful for me to process that Mm -hmm. and just pray through that because it was very difficult. Like Ravi Zacharias was instrumental in, um, helping me to grow in, Mm -hmm. in my, apologetics. uh, yeah, my apologetics, like my, my courage and my calling and like, you know, especially like just, with the gravity of like all that he would speak about. But, um, so I, I used to meet all of these Johns and, um, Jackie Hill said now knowing more about the sexual abuse that Ravi subjected women to, uh, she said, I'm thrown not because I'm so cry, not because I'm surprised, but because it's disorienting. Mm-hmm. But she said, I'm reminded that giftedness will never translate to godliness. Neither is Orthodox teaching the proof of righteous living. And so, um, and just learning about Ravi and, and man, it's just gut wrenching because I remember being at massage parlors and, and, and seeing South Asian men that were just well-dressed and had money and, 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 but then I would see, I would see someone that maybe wasn't as well off, you know, it's really like you, it's just normal people. And it's their secret lives. And it's, and, and it just, as, as Christians, it's just, this has been such a grave reminder to me. And I think to so many other people that like, man, <laughs> we have to be privately healthy, not only as ministers, but just as Christians, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? Well, just uh, got a couple more questions for you because yeah. I don't want to take up too much of your time. But sure. this is an interesting one. I thought, do victims of sex trafficking self-identify as a victim of a crime and do they ask for help immediately? Yeah. So I was a part of the ministry that I'm talking about for probably five or six years. No, it was six years. And in that time, I met so many different women and there were very few that would actually admit that they were trafficked or mm-hmm. that they were taken against their will or that they were sold for money. Um, I met other women that were like, they're like, oh, I mean, I know this is wrong, but like someone has to pay for college, right? Ha <laughs> yeah. um, ha. I, I, I met women that um, their entire families have no idea what they're doing, but someone has to pay the bills for their daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
it really just varies. There's so many different things that go into this. There's even like, you know, sometimes women are, are, are drugged and so they're addicted to different things. And, and so like, you know, they're by, by them selling themselves for money, they're able to obtain those things yeah, <laughs> freely. And so they're kind of stuck in this never ending cycle um, of drug abuse on top of being trafficked. And so um, I've met women that have willingly admitted that they are um, and women that also have no idea. They're like, oh yeah, I came here for college. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm here from Europe. And, uh, yeah. and it just broke my heart because I was like, man, she's new. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, there's just so many things that, that go into. Yeah. I think it's very interesting because in today's culture and the world that we live in, I think the world has blurred the line between sexual exploitation and what they view as sexual freedom. Mm-hmm. And so it's this, you know, campaign, yeah. you know, more and more about legalizing prostitution and allowing, you know, that activity to go on and, and even the pornography industry and the billion dollar aspects of that yeah. and how easily women are groomed into yeah. that from modeling to mm-hmm. pictures to, you know, yeah. forced, horrible imagery type things that, mm-hmm. that go on the internet. Yeah. Um, just kind of in, in closing with some of this, because it can take on so many forms, this is a little bit of a two-parter, but mm-hmm. what can the common person do to help stop a billion dollar industry in human trafficking and maybe what things that shouldn't we yeah. do? Like, you know, it may not be wise for me to go and, and punch a pimp in the face and tell him to let that girl go. Um, yeah. Let know. me know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, what are some do's and don'ts? Like what are some practical things that listeners can do yeah. to help put an end to modern day slavery? Yeah. You know, I don't want to, well, I guess I could answer your question and <laughs> pose another <laughs> not question. But um if we were to if we were to end pornography, yeah. we would probably end I wouldn't say the entire sex industry, but pornography. That's before pornography. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we stop the demand, then we would like we would stop women being taken and women being sold. And sure. so um the pornography industry, like man. Man, man, man. There's there's so many things that have happened recently in the porn industry. Um, I can't remember the name of that one company that was uh, that was shut down, or they they stopped accepting like uh, American Express and and different Visa yeah. cards, um, and so that put a dip in their sales, obviously, which is great. It forced them to adjust their yeah. standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we can put an end to the porn industry, we would we would make a huge dent in in sex slavery. And so um, honestly, I think what you're doing and raising up the next generation, like you're raising up the next generation of men, like parents that are listening to this, like yeah. you're raising the next generation of, of men and, and women. And if we teach them godly values and, and, and how to honor each other with godly values, um, that can make a huge dent in the sex industry. I have friends that are overseas in countries that I can't even name. And, and they are there because they want to impact the next generation of men to mm-hmm. love uh, love one another, to love people with the love of Christ. So that way they put an end, in turn, putting an end to the sex industry um, because there's no demand for porn anymore. Yeah. Can you imagine what that would be like? I mean, yeah. I think sometimes we um, minimize prayer 
yeah. uh, as not an action. And mm-hmm. I agree, prayer alone uh, maybe isn't always enough. Uh, there's times where God, in response to your prayer, has you do something. Like yeah. when you prayed, it wasn't just, hey, you know, like the prayer that your mom was saying to protect you and, and help the girls in trafficking. The follow-up to that prayer was God sending you to those places to yeah. help. But I do think if more of us took the time to pray about these kinds of topics, maybe God would stir up more muzz in this world yeah. and more friends of yours that would go into the brothels and the masseuse parlors and yeah. the ends of the earth and the backyards of Chicago yeah. to do something about it and to raise an awareness. And man, even to to, to make sure that people understand that we have financial buy power. And uh, you know, sometimes you got to hit somebody in the wallet in order to get their attention mm-hmm. and to say, well, we won't stand for this and we won't allow that. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, you know, that we've always been huge supporters, both prayerfully, financially, and um, just in agreement with what God has called you to do. Uh, thank you for being relentless in your pursuit of that. Yeah. Uh, we know that God is going to continue to be opening doors for you and has been opening doors for you to yeah. fulfill what he has. And hopefully we'll get to hear more about that as those things unfold. So thank you so much for being with us today. We're so grateful for everyone who listened through to the end. Stay tuned next week as we meet with another guest and we explore some more compass thoughts. God bless you. And uh, we'll see you soon.